Hi guys, welcome to my second episode of Open Heart Podcast. Today I'm going to be sharing another story from the book This Hills Called Home. The title of this story is Called Shadows. Um, it is a very interesting story. It's about a small band of Naga soldiers. They are also called as underground who were fighting for the independence of the Naga state. So they were sent to seek training from the Chinese handlers and to learn everything about guerrilla warfare. But what really disturbed me about the story was what happened in the jungle when this group of soldiers were walking for days and when their weariness turned them into something entirely different. We cannot imagine what humans are capable of so there is a quote which goes, Man is the most insane species. He worships an invisible God and slaughters a visible nature without realizing that this nature he slaughters is this invisible God he worships. So I think that makes sense in this story. It's, this story is about a young man named Imli. Firstly, he was the son of a second in command of the underground army. He was born and brought up in the town and had no knowledge of the jungle as a village boy would have. He had been studying out of the state and had come home. And he had been back with the intention of staying at home for a while to take care of his mother who had been sick for a while. So, but after a month of doing nothing, he began to, you know, feel restless. He felt that if he could not pursue his studies, he should be doing something more meaningful than just sitting at home. So, since his father was the second in command, he sent word to his father that he too wanted to join the Naga army. His father was furious at first because he would never allow his son to join the underground army as it was very different from what his life actually is. A year later, his mother was recovered. So after her recovery, the mother asked her son to go back and to pursue his higher studies. But he was not willing because he had already made up his mind to follow in his father's footsteps. So the mother had no other option but to send word to the father to come and meet her as there was a family emergency which she could not discuss in letters. So on hearing this, the father arranged a secret meeting at his village house as his house in the town was under constant surveillance. As soon as the father and the son met, they got into a heated conversation over Imli's decision to join the underground army. Neither would give way until at last the mother demanded that her son was an adult and he should be able to make his own decision about his future. So after some weeks, Imli made his way to his father's headquarters. The funny part was nobody knows how he reached the father's headquarters. So on the day of his arrival at the camp, there was a selection process for recruiting the trainers to be sent to the China. Though the father protested on hearing his son's name was on that list and knowing the risk his son had to take, they ignored him completely and thus his son Imli was included to the final list. 
The others in the group, however, did not know anything about the happening and considered him a liability as Imli was so clumsy in the jungle and did not know the ways of the jungle. Overall, 21 soldiers were chosen, including Imli. So the plan was they would travel through the jungle and they would be guided by a band of scouts who would escort them from territory to territory until they reached Burma. From there, a guy would take charge and lead them to China, and they would be in the hands of their Chinese handlers during the entire training period. So the mission of this particular group was to learn everything about the guerrilla warfare and the use of sophisticated weapons while they were in the designated training camp, so that when, they, when these men came back from the training, they would be able to teach the different units located in their respective tribal areas about what they have learned. So the planners, the selectors, the members who selected this band of soldiers were well aware that all the members might not return. These planners knew the consequences that they might face. They might be tortured, they might be uh, captured and then tortured to death because the Indian government were sending regular army perils even in the outskirt area as they were aware of the underground armies sending their soldiers to the Chinese handlers so that they could learn more about this warfare. So this small band of soldiers were being extra careful in their movement through the jungle terrain towards their destination. Imli, because of his lack of experience about the jungle, he nearly exposed the entire team to danger had it not been for a member named Rocco, who had made sure he stayed with Imli day and night. So Rocco became the first friend of Imli. It was Rocco who massaged Imli's legs when they had a longer period of rest during the march. It was Rocco who brought food to Imli when he felt too tired to get up. Sometimes he even carried Imli's rucksack when he thought the leaders was not looking. After marching for several days, they left Naga territory and entered Burma on a hot, sunny day. It was when they reached the border, they ran into trouble. They requested God who was supposed to help them and head them to China suddenly refused to help them, saying that a certain group have already entered and they were not allowed to enter their territory. It was impossible for the band of soldiers, as they were stranded in the middle of nowhere, to go back without proper escort would be suicidal, since they had narrowly avoided detection by patrolling parties many times. Hoito was the leader of the group. He requested the border guides to allow them to at least camp nearby for a few days so that he could send an urgent message to his boss for further instruction. The request which seemed reasonable was granted and so the Naga group cleared a patch of jungle near a stream and made temporary shelters out of tree branches. The next morning the leader of the group stood up and explained that in order to seek clarification and further instruction, he was sending two members of the team back to the headquarters 
Rocco, the only friend of Imli, and another guy named Lovishe was chosen because of their experience in scouting and they know ways of the jungle. So they were to start immediately after the meal and were ordered to march day and night and to report within four days. Before leaving, Rocco went and shook hands with Imli and whispered in his ear, be careful. After the departure of the two, the fire over which they had their simple meal was cooked were extinguished. Hoito, the leader of the group, was a strange man. He was also known for his unpredictable and violent nature. Confronted with his present dilemma, he became more restless but he kept it to himself. One afternoon, he was dozing off with his arm around his gun. He woke up with a start. He had a strange dream. He dreamt of his father visiting him in his house in the village, and his father was scolding him for allowing a stranger to eat from his plate. The dream felt like a warning for him because he felt like his father was trying to tell him that there was a stranger in his own little group, a person who was betraying him, a person who was responsible for where they were at. Who could it be? He was questioning himself. When he was thinking about this matter, he suddenly was struck by the fact that there was indeed a stranger in his group. Imli, the man who was inducted into the group just because he was the son of the second highest boss, he began to feel uneasy about Imli because, unlike others, he did not have to put any tests or even do anything worthy to be in this group. Well, he started thinking about Imli more and more. Even just his presence made him angry. He also had a secret grudge against Imli's father because once his father embarrassed him in front of the public for not carrying out an order in proper manner, the anger was building inside him and he was pleased that the only person, Rocco, who seemed to be close to Imli was sent back to the headquarters. The more he thought of the matter, the more he was convinced that Imli was somehow responsible for all the bad things happening in their journey and to this group. He felt that there was an evil aura about Imli and he felt stronger and stronger. It was already the second day and on that day they heard voices in the nearby and fearing of being discovered they moved into the thick forest. Luckily they came across a cave in the forest and they took shelter in it. The cave was damp and dark but at least they were safe from the heavy rain and danger of encountering the border per patrols. But the problem of Imli continued to disturb the leader Hoito, adding to the anxiety of waiting for Rocco and his friend to be back and the constant fear of being discovered by Indian army. They stayed inside the cave for the next two days, munching uncooked rice and drinking rain water. By this time, Hoito, the leader of the group, was beginning to think of ways for getting rid of Imli before Rocco and his friend come back. 
but he had to accomplish this plan without raising any suspicion in the mind of the other soldiers. By evening, he had worked out a plan. He announced that since Rocco and his friend would be back soon with instruction from headquarters, and they had no idea about their new hideout in the cave, so he would send Imli to the spot where they had camped earlier and wait for their friends and guide them back to the cave. That was his plan. On hearing this, the members of the group were stunned. Everyone knew how unfamiliar Imli was in the ways of jungle, and some expressed their view that sending out Imli alone would be unwise as he was sure to be spotted and either be captured or he would be killed. But Hoito was a stubborn man. He demanded Imli to go on this mission to prove that he deserved to be in this group. Though the soldiers were greatly worried, they did not dare argue with their leader, and thus Imli's fate was sealed. Imli, on the other hand, was beginning to get excited by this brief experience in the jungle. The march up to this point, when he is now, had been an eye-opener. He was determined to become a better soldier so that he could prove to his father. He was determined to teach himself the skills of survival in the jungle. During the last two days in the cave, he had learned to dismantle and put together an automatic rifle. He also learned to walk in the jungle without making a sound and how to communicate with his mates through gestures and low whistles imitating the sound of the birds. So when the leader of the group made the announcement, Emily thought he, he was given an opportunity to prove his newly learned skills. He was excited to put his skills into practice. In the evening, Imli was given last-minute tips by his friends. Then he quietly crept out of the cave at dawn. In the darkness of the cave, Imli did not notice the absence of two members of the group who had left earlier on Hoito's instruction and were waiting for Imli in the jungle. Imli was extremely cautious and so his pace was slow. Once or twice he thought he heard some noises in the bush and each time he turned to see but there was no one. So he went on being extra careful, afraid of being discovered by enemies. But what he did not know was that it was his own teammates who were waiting for the chance to carry out their leader Hoito's instruction. After he walked for some few hours, he was tired, so he was squatting in the hollow of a tree to just catch his breath and rest for a minute. It was when the noises which seemed to stalk him stood before him. At first, he thought that the intruders were from the other army and he would be either killed or taken prisoner. However, when he recognized his teammates, the initial shock and fear was replaced by relief. But only for a brief moment because the two immediately set to work. They pinned him to the ground and one of them put a gag in his mouth. They had come prepared with vines to secure him and hammering sticks also. They tied him to the sticks, spread eagled and face down. All the while they avoided eye contact with him and Imli could see that one of them was visibly disturbed. 
having him firmly tied tied in face earth down manner they gathered leaves and dead branches to cover him completely and leave him there to die though imli was mis making attempts to ask them why they were doing this to him his efforts came out as a feeble grunts because of the gag in his mouth after covering him up completely they went about their business and quietly vanished into the thick shadows of the jungle now roku and lovishay were now returning from the headquarters with the instruction they had got from the leaders they were both exhausted from the non-stop march of the last few days after marching for 3 days roku suggested that they rest for the night so that the next day they would be able to catch up with their mates and meet them so before sunset they searched for a safe place to spend the night when they woke up the next day they discovered a foul smell in the jungle they were both experienced in the jungle so they knew the smell was of a rotting flesh they began to search from where the source of the smell was coming and they could hear the distinct buzz of flies and as they followed the sound their steps led them to the spot where imli had been left tied bound and stacked to the ground what they saw lying in front of their eyes turned their stomachs when they saw the body they knew that that must have come at a slow pace and he must have suffered terribly even as life was oozing out of his hopeless helpless body what remained of him was his bare skeleton over which the flies were weaving a riotous dance of steel blue wings accompanied by a buzz that was several decibels beyond human t- tolerance the hair on his head and even his clothes were ripped off and the bloody and torn shreds lay strewn all over the place they knew it was on- only imli because of his wrist watch which was somehow still attached to the fre- fleshless wrist roko and lovisha simply stared at each other in speechless shock and sorrow they were no strangers to death and violent death most of the time but nothing match the horror of this sight they stood there mute until roko collapsed heaving with unuttered sobs lovisha quickly went to the grieving boy and reminded him that they had no time to grieve and there was something more urgent that had to be done imli must be given a decent burial so silently they freed imli from his bondage gathered what remained of his body and clothes and buried him in a secluded spot away from that place of horror roko wanted to put a cross over the mount but lovishay told him that it would be unwise in this way the inexperienced college boy imli who had joined the freedom fighters against all odds found his final resting place in an unmarked grave in the shadows of a deep forest of an alien land before burying roko told lovishay that he was going to keep the watch now this presented a big problem for roko 
what was he to do with the knowledge of Imdi's death? Though he could not say anything definite about what had actually happened, he could certainly guess how Imli had died from what he and Lovishe had seen, and also the fact that they had buried the sad remains of their unfortunate comrade. Then there was Imli's watch that he had extracted from the body and which he had kept hidden. It had to be handed over to the father, carefully. Only then could the missing report that Hoito had written be challenged and a verdict of death through foul play detected. After burying their friend Imli, now they were confronted with a problem because how should they deal with their knowledge about Imli's death? Should they admit to having buried his remains or should they ask their leader Hoito about Imli? If the commander was somehow responsible in the horrible death of his comrade and if they admitted to having disposed of the body, they were bound to be viewed with suspicion and even hostility. They knew that Hoito was capable of doing if he felt threatened in any way. They also recalled how rude he had been towards Imli from the very beginning. So, Roko and Lovishe, after a long discussion, concluded that they would not say anything about finding Imli or burying him in the unmarked spot. They would simply cite extreme tiredness as the cause of delay in reporting back from the special mission. So, they also took a vow that they would never talk about Imli's death to anybody not even to their wives if they got to leave home. The watch which Rocco took from Imli's wrist would be returned to his father at an appropriate time and Lovishe was warned never to mention about this. When they returned to the camp and Rocco handed over the pouch which he had received from the headquarters containing of letters, Hoito behaved as if nothing was amiss only frowned once or twice when he was reading the letter from the headquarters. The evening passed off uneventfully. That night, the two scouts, Rocco and Lovishe, slept the sleep of the exhausted after many days of stressful trekking and the traumatic experience of finding the gruesome remains of Imli in such a sudden and unexpected manner. But they were trained soldiers and never let their guard down Early the next morning, they were ordered to break camp and be ready to march after their meal of rice and chilies. Hoito waited until all signs of their stay in the cave were completely obliterated. It was only when they were standing in the single file ready to march that he started to speak. The leader began saying, you know that Imli was ordered to go on a special mission to wait for the return of Rocco and Lovishe from the headquarters and guide them to this cave, but till now he has not returned. Though these two persons were able to locate us quite safely, it is now appeared that Imli got lost in the jungle and since no one have mentioned any signs of seeing him, I presume that we will not see him again. What happens to him now is no one's fault but his own. So be clear on this point. No one is to be blamed for his disappearance. And now, I want to tell you that we are going to abort this particular mission and make our way back to the headquarters until we secure the complete 
cooperation of our old allies and remember if any one of us is, is captured we do not divulge any information at all now let us march and remember be on guard at all times so the column of tired fighters began to march with Rocco as the advance scout and Hoito himself in the rear. It was an extremely agonizing march. There was hardly any food. Their uniforms and boots were in tatters and several times they had to lie in wet trenches to escape being discovered by passing patrols. So their morale was at its lowest. Their mission was a failure in many ways. They had lost a comrade and were heading to an unknown future. Rocco especially was haunted by the memory of the horrifying sight of Imli's dead body. Once or twice he stopped himself from crying out aloud at the inhuman treatment meted out to his friend. But he forged ahead, subsuming his personal anger and anguish with the present need to protect himself and his group and bent on reaching headquarters safely. This group did after marching relentlessly for three days, their entry into the camp was unobstructive, as if it was a routine matter for soldiers to return to camp in this matter. For two days, they were allowed to rest undisturbed and was given as much food as possible. On the third day, the group was called to the barracks of the commander to receive fresh commands. As the commander surveyed the group, he noticed that Imli, the son of his second in command, was missing. And when Hoito, the leader of the group, was asked about this, he gave the version which he had given to his boys just before they started on their journey back to the headquarters. The commander listened to him in silence and ordered him to write a detailed report about the incident. He then told the assembled soldiers that due to his this new development he was deferring their new assignments and that they were to remain in the camp until further orders so the atmosphere in their particular section of the camp once again filled with tension the boys stayed inside some trying to read the available material some of them trying to read the bible while some strolled outside aimlessly but Rocco and Lovice kept to themselves not daring to say anything or even to each other. Hoito seemed to be the calmest of all, writing his report laboriously and even whistling a tune under his breath. His report was handed in on the second day and all seemed to be fine. But during the evening meal, it was observed that Hoito was not in his usual place, nor was he in his tent. No one said anything. Only Rocco and Lovice exchanged glances the night passed off uneventfully at the morning roll call hoito's absence was marked and the rest of the group were asked whether anyone had seen him no one had by noon it had become obvious that hoito the leader of the small band of group had disappeared the next morning the commander had declared hoito the leader of the small band of soldiers a deserter and added that if he was caught alive he would be shot by a firing squad he constituted an inquiry committee to determine the circumstances which resulted in the disappearance of imli in the jungle 
The work of the committee, committee started immediately. To begin with, every member of the group except Roku and Lovishe was questioned individually and each one stuck to the version given by Hoito. That Imli was assigned the job of waiting for Roko and Lovishe to return from their mission and to guide them to the cave in which the group had taken shelter when they were eventually called. Roko and Lovishe had a hurried conversation before going in for the interrogation and promised each other that they would tell the truth about what they saw and how they buried Imli's remains. And so it happened. Rocco was the last one to be called. He was in the interrogation tent for a long time and when he came out, he appeared to be a changed man. He never told anyone, not even Lovishe, exactly what had happened there. He only said that Imli's father, when he saw Imli's watch, he broke down and wept like a child. Soon after, Rocco and Lovishe were sent to separate camps and they lost contact with each other until they both retired from the underground outfit and they returned to their respective villages to live like ordinary villagers. In the meantime, many other groups of the underground army made their way to China for training and many lost their lives in encounters both with the patrols as well as in accidents like drowning while crossing flooded rivers or falling off slippery ravines but no other underground soldier seemed to have suffered the fate of the unfortunate imli it was only many years later that word filtered out from unknown sources about how imli had been murdered by members of his own outfit at the behest of the leader hoito now, after many years later, Rocco often reflected on this particular incidence of his underground existence and shed many a tear for his friend Imli, who was so cruelly murdered by his own comrades. He was often heard advising the youngsters of his village not to think of joining any army because, as he put it, when you have a gun in your hand, you cease to think like a normal human being. Well, on the other hand, Lovishe was not much of a thinker. He simply took up farming as, as if he had never gone away and many younger people of his own village were not even aware that he was once in the underground army and that he had served under the command of the notorious leader Hoito. Well, talking about Hoito... What about Hoito? No one had ever seen him or no one could say where he went when he deserted the camp. He never went back to his village. It was as if the jungle simply swallowed him up. The man who had once harbored secret dreams of becoming a commander and earning glory in battle was written off from the rolls of the army as if he had never existed. Some group of soldiers who were now sent to China on similar missions reported hearing from the natives about a madman who roamed the forest, often shouting Imi Imi as if he was looking for somebody or something. They could not say whether he was a Naga or a mainland Burmese because his hair had grown long, become grey, his 
flowing beard was almost white and his teeth were stained black from eating roots and berries from the jungle. They say that he certainly knew his way around in the jungle and hid himself whenever he thought somebody was approaching. But when they did not bother about him because they said he was of no consequences to anyone now, so the lone wanderer was left to himself to survive in the shadows of the jungle from predators, men and beasts alike, and eating whatever was thrown away by them. One day, this crazy-looking man saw spirals of wispy smoke in the distance, and he believed that there would be food where the fire was. He had gone hungry the last two days, his only sustenance being wild leaf and stream water. He was becoming weak and light-headed, so... Throwing all caution aside, he made his way towards the wisp of smoke. As he approached the area, he could smell the sweet aroma of roasting meat. When he heard the voices, he crouched on the ground and inched forward on all fours, but unfortunately for him, he was spotted by the group who pounced on him and dragged him to the circle of men eating and drinking by the fire. So, this group of jungle rocks who had been terrorizing innocent village on both sides of the international border looting exhorting money and causing general mayhem wherever they got a chance on this particular day this band of raiders they had got hold of some liquor and meat and they were having an uproarious party drinking and eating chunks of meat from a pig that was being roasted over a roaring fire by that time, the madman was brought into their presence. A few of them were quite drunk. As soon as they saw him, they swooped on him. Some tore at his hair and beard and some began to strip him. They began to speculate about who he really was and he would, and how he would look without his beard and long hair. Taking up the cue, one of the, them got a knife and started to shave off his head and beard while some others pinned him to the ground. Many cuts were inflicted on the hapless man as he struggled to free himself from their grip. When the hairy camouflage was removed, his features became more recognizable as they now stared at the transformed man. One of the raiders jumped up and shouted, It is the mighty Hoito! This boy was a deserter from the Naga underground army who had suffered at one time severe punishment at Hoito's hands. This was the main reason why he had run away from the underground and had joined this band of raiders, where he was simply known as a boy because of his tender age when he had joined them. He was so angry, he got up and pushed the naked man Hoito to the ground and began to kick him, spitting on him and calling him all the foul names he could think of. He was already very drunk and was becoming delirious with an insane rage against the man on the ground. The others who were not aware of the link between the two men were completely taken aback by the turn of events. They had initially started out with the idea of having a little fun with the madman, but the scenario changed completely once his identity of being the once mighty Hoito was established and the boy took over. 
so they withdrew into a circle while he was raved and ranted and continued kicking and, ab and abusing the fallen man as suddenly as it had started the kicking stopped the uneasy group saw the boy go to their temporary tent and came out with lengths of rope they began to shuffle around with growing apprehension murmuring and some trying to talk the boy to stop it but he was beyond reason he struck off the restraining hands and shouted the man who smashed my balls and called my father a woman deserved to die at my hands and by now the man was almost unconscious but all the same he was dragged to a nearby tree with the assistance of the two reluctant mates his hands were tied behind his back and they hauled him up to the sturdy branch from which he was hung by his ankle so that as the boy puts it hoito would have plenty of time to repent before he died the members of this gang were no strangers to violence and cruelty but the sight of this grisly performance was somehow proving to be too much even for them and one by one they picked up their guns canteens and also the meat and slunk away into the jungle when some of them looked back they saw the boy executing a drunken caper around the swinging body of hoito and still cursing and taking an occasional swing from his bottle the man dangling from the rope began to shout hearing this the boy went into the jungle and collected some prickly leaves which he fashioned into a bowl and forced the gag into the mouth of the battered man once again he did his mad gig round the inert body now swaying gently in the void between heaven and earth but after a round or two when he realized that he had been left behind by his mates the boy went to the dying man and shouted in his ears pray all you want now high and mighty hoito pray that you die so soon with a last gesture directed at the unseeing man dangling from the tree the boy threw away his empty bottle and grouped his drunken way into the dark shadows of the jungle. So that is it. That is the story of the shadows. If you guys like listening to my stories, I'll be back with new stories every Sunday. I hope you guys will be there to support me. And thank you guys for listening.